Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Good morning and welcome to Vessel Collective Church. Thank you so much for joining us for Church at Home. I believe that this is officially week eight which means that we have been doing uh, quarantined at home church for two months now. So thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for tuning in. You know, when we started this process of online church and moving to Facebook and YouTube and having a streaming platform, that was really, I was very nervous and anxious and unsure about it, but it has been such a blessing that I have loved to see what God has been doing um, despite the quarantine while we've been at our homes is that he has shown his faithfulness and his goodness and it's been a reminder of what an incredible church that we have. So thank you for joining, thank you for being here this morning um, and thank you for being here for the last two months. Um, I am obviously in the comfort of my own home. I feel a bit like Bob Ross, which I'm by this fireplace and I have this leather chair, but I'm struggling a little bit as I like to move around and I like to interact with people on Sunday mornings. And so sitting in a chair for someone like me and preaching to my beautiful wife, as incredible as you are, and uh, the sleeping dog on the floor is a little bit different. So I miss you all. I can't wait for us to gather back on Sunday mornings. Uh, if you missed our announcement a couple weeks ago, we are prayerfully considering when that is gonna be and what that process looks like for us as a church. So stay tuned. Be patient, continue to participate online, um, and be here for church at home. So thank you for being here. The second thing as we're jumping in is that today is Mother's Day. So to all the moms out there that are watching, that are tuning in, happy Mother's Day. If you're watching this later in the day, if you're not watching the live stream because it is Mother's Day and you're sleeping in, then more power to you uh, and happy Mother's Day to you. And then I want to say happy Mother's Day to four moms in particular that are the most special in my life. Uh, The first is my beautiful bride, Shay, who is an incredible mother. Um, I'm so thankful for you and to be a partner in life, in the gospel, in the church, in the kingdom, and as parents, you're an amazing mom. So thank you for being so incredible. Um, My second mom I want to say happy Mother's Day to is my mother-in-law, Nana. We love you, we miss you, I can't wait to see you again. Um, Thank you for adopting me as your son and treating me like nothing short than that. So I love you. Third is my own mother. Uh, Mom, I love you. I can't tell you how grateful I am for you and how much I love you and how much I appreciate your support and encouragement for, gosh, 30-something years, however old I am. I love you, Mom. And then lastly is my grandmother, Ma. Uh, Happy Mother's Day, Ma. I'm so thankful. If you are watching, which I think you are, Thank you for being here. I love you. I can't wait to see you after all this is over. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We have a tradition here at the Vessel on Mother's Day that we've done is um, each and every year we give two bouquets bouquets of flowers away. We give one to the newest mom and one to the most experienced mom. I won't say oldest mom, but the mom who is the most experienced. And so we don't plan on stopping that tradition now. So uh, if you would right now, if you're a mom and you're watching this, just put in the comment section how long you've been a mother. How long you've been a mother. And then the 
mother that has been the mother the longest, we will get a bouquet of flowers to you. And then the newest mom, the mom, the mother who's been uh, a mother the least amount of time, will get a bouquet of flowers to you as well. And then maybe we'll connect you guys and you can go out um, to the coffee shop or something after social distancing has lifted and you can exchange mom stories. I'm sure being a mom in 2020 is a little bit different than being a mom in, I don't know, however long ago, but it is different. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We've been in a series called The First Days, the last four weeks, as we've been looking at the first days of the church and the birth of the church in Acts. And so this morning we're gonna be continuing in Acts chapter three. We're gonna have the scripture up on the screen, but if you have your Bible or your phone Bible handy and you wanna pull that up, then go ahead and get that ready. We're going to be at the first 10 verses of Acts chapter 3. And I know it feels like <clears throat> in just three weeks of doing this, we're kind of creeping along through Acts. And I want you to know our intention is not to preach and teach through the whole book of Acts, but really just focus on the beginning and the birth of the church. Um, and I've loved what God has been teaching us during this time. The first week we really talked about the faithfulness of the, of the disciples, the patience of the disciples, and how God really began to raise up leaders. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then week two, <clears throat> we talked about um, we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and fell as promised from the Lord Jesus. And then last week, uh, Shay and I talked together on uh, this idea of being better together and seeing how at the end of Acts chapter 2, how all the believers were together. They had things in common. Uh, they fellowshiped. They worshiped. They prayed. Um, they broke bread together in their homes and how the Lord grew their church. And so today we look at <clears throat> what we're calling the... Um, a continued ministry, excuse me. We're looking at the continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And this is really, you're going to see here as the, the church at this point has been predominantly in homes. I mean, uh, Peter did preach and people were baptized, but a lot of what's been happening in the early church has been in the safety of their own homes, in the upper room. But we begin to see the ministry of the church go public. And we're calling this morning a continued ministry. And it doesn't mean that we're just continuing in the ministry from the beginning of Acts, but it's a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. If you remember in the last days, the series that we did before the first days, we looked at the last few days of Jesus' life and how um, his, his death, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. And it's important that we realize that the ministry of Jesus Christ did not stop at that moment, and then the ministry of the church began. But the, but the ministry of the church is, is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And that's really going to be our focus this morning. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the Word. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for all the moms out there that are watching right now. Um, <clears throat> I thank you, Lord, that the very, very first gift that you gave your son was a mother and Mary. And what a gift moms are to us. I also pray for those right now, Jesus, that are struggling um, because of Mother's Day, whether that be maybe this is the first Mother's Day that they're celebrating after losing their mom. Or um, it's a mother out there that, that has a broken relationship with a son or daughter or vice versa. God, we understand that in our, the brokenness of our world, even moments and days of celebration can bring with it pain. So I just pray for comfort and peace for those right now that may be feeling that way. God, as we open your word, I, we just desperately ask, God, for your spirit to fall uh, in our homes, in our lives, and in this moment, God, and that you 
breathe through your word and that you speak to us and you speak to our church, the vessel. You speak to us individually. And Lord, that as I open your word and share, God, that um, I am able to move out of the way and humble myself. And Lord, that you can speak and that your spirit can speak. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. So if you would, open with me to Acts chapter 3, and we're going to be reading the first 10 verses. So Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those giving those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to be sitting, who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And so as we look at the story, um, this is, like I said, the, really the first the ministry of the church going public in a lot of ways. At the end of uh, what Shane and I talked about last week, it says, many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. Some of them were recorded in scripture, many of them weren't. And so this is one of the cases and really the first that's been recorded in the book of Acts. And so as we look at this idea of a continued ministry, what I want us to really focus on and think about is that what does it take and what is the, what is the disciples and the apostles show here that we can take with us as we continue in the ministry of Jesus Christ? So we're going to look at a few things. And so the first thing that we're going to talk about this morning in the context of a continued ministry is that a continued ministry is in the name of Jesus. A continued ministry, first and foremost, is in the name of Jesus. From the, from the verse 6, it says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And so Peter didn't say, by the power vested in me, or in the name of Peter and John, stand and walk. Or he say, you know, in the name of the church, the early church, stand and walk. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And so it's first important for us to know and understand that the ministry that we're continuing in is in the ministry First, foremost, and only in the name of Jesus Christ. As soon as we begin to step outside of that or step before that or step behind that, we fall outside the will of God. You know, our, our, our uh, mission statement here is that we are called to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for his purpose in his kingdom. And so if we can really consider ourselves to be vessels and we can, say, we can consider us handing our life over to Christ so that he can use it, we know that idea that he is going to use it in his name to advance his gospel. And so this idea of it being in the ministry, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
I know that this may seem like a caveat at times is that when we open, like as we open in prayer this morning or when we do things or when we say things, we say in the name of Christ, right? In the name of Jesus, uh, we pray, amen. And it feels like often like the, the end of a prayer or a salutation or just a ritual or a habit. But I want you to know that there's power in those words and there's power in the truth that we are doing in the, uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, I think that what is really dangerous is if we don't protect that and we don't guard that and we don't remind ourselves and we don't put that first, that what happens is, is the brokenness of man because the truth is, is that our churches and, and the vessel and whatever church you're a part of um, is, is led in a lot of ways by man and, and that there's brokenness in that. And so we have to be so careful not to step out of bounds of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I think that one of the greatest dangers is to the church and especially the church in Western Christian cultured world that we live and know is um, the danger of pride. And I think that pride has its fickle way of slowly taking root and slowly growing. That pride a lot of times, I mean, you know it when you see it and it's obvious when you see someone that has great pride, but I think within the confines of the church and the early church, um, <clears throat> is that it grows slowly and we've got to really protect that. Uh, someone uh, shared something with me this week about um, this person that's in ministry or they're a, a pastor or they call themselves a prophet and really they're not a prophet. They're, they're a false teacher that is using the gospel of Jesus Christ for their own financial gain. And um, this person has this ministry where they go and they, he, this person does these conferences and they promise that if you come to their conference, if you come to his conference, that he will impart on you uh, spiritual powers, is that he has been given the power in his name to be able to do that for you. And he lists a lot of things that he can give you and a lot of these supernatural gifts that he can impart to you if you come and pay to his conference. But these are a few of my favorite that were listed. Uh, he said that he can give you and impart to you the power of, of invisibility that you can become invisible. Like, um, what is it in Harry Potter? The um, invisibility cloak, all right? He says that he can give you the power of time travel. He says that you can go back in time, forward in time, wherever you want in time. And then another one that I thought is kind of humorous, he can give you the, the ability to walk on water. So I want you to know if I'm choosing out of those three, I'm choosing invisibility because that sounds awesome if I can be invisible. But the point is, I know that's an extreme example to look. And I mean, I think most of us see that and we realize it for what it is. And the sad thing is, is there are people out there that are taking advantage of the gospel of Jesus Christ for their own gain. And it quickly becomes about man and not about God. And the truth is this, is that power is only in the name of Jesus and never in the name of man. Is that power is only in the name of Jesus Christ. It's never in the name of man. And that's one reason here at the vessel, uh, one of our four core values is the value of humility. And um, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that we embody humility. It's not us claiming to be the bearers of humility. It means that we're seeking and that we hold the value of humility at the highest regards. And that is because pride is so dangerous within the church. And, and so I want you to know that when we think about us continuing in the ministry of Jesus Christ, it is only in the name of Jesus Christ that we get to do that. If you look at your hands and you look at your feet, there are no holes there. 
You did not conquer death. You did not beat the grave. You did not die for anyone's sin. That only Jesus Christ did that. And so the fact that we get to walk in that power and that authority because of his name is significant, is really significant. And it's tempting to see, we look around in our culture and we see this idea of these celebrity pastors. These pastors have become really wealthy and really well known. They're very charismatic. And, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not at all trying to speak to any of the, any of you know, different people, whoever that may be. But my, my thought is, my worry is, is that we have got to make sure the focus is always on Jesus Christ and never man. Because we can do that for ourselves and others can do that to us. When I started in, in, in ministry and teaching, I always really struggle when people come up to me after the service, hey man, great message. Like that was a great message, a great word this morning, what you said. And I always really struggle with that because it gave me a significant hesitation in my step of like, that wasn't me. That was from the Lord. And I can't take credit for that. And I used to respond with that way. I'd be like, oh, thank you, but that's not me. And I, I realized that that was a bit of a strange response, to be honest. And I realized that really what people meant in that is to thanking me for allowing the Lord to use my gifting in that moment and, then, and at that time. And so first and foremost, a continued ministry is in the name of Jesus Christ. The second thing we can see here from the book of Acts, chapter 3, is that a continued ministry sees people as people. And this may be my favorite part in all of this story, is in verse four, it says that Peter looks straight at him. As they go to this temple gate called Beautiful, here's this man that's been crippled for, from birth. It says that he's, he's been crippled for over 40 years. And they walk up to this gate, and imagine this man every day, he's brought and put at this place so that he can beg for alms for the poor. He can beg for money. And verse 4 says that Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. And so, <clears throat> first and foremost, what the disciples did is the disciples gave him integrity. They gave him honor. They gave him dignity. They gave this man respect. And every one of us has been in that situation where we've pulled up to a stoplight at an intersection where there's someone that's that's asking for money. And we see people around this, or we're guilty of this ourselves, is that we don't want to cast our gaze towards that person. And whether it's uncomfortability or it's awkwardness, or we don't want to have to wave them off and say no, for whatever reason it is, we, we, we want to lock our look forward and we don't want to cast a gaze that way. But I want you to know what Peter and John do in this moment by looking straight at him is that they see this man as a man. They see him as a person. They see him as somebody who's beautifully and wonderfully made. They see him as somebody that God made and knit together in his mother's womb. They see him as somebody who's worthy of the blood of Jesus Christ. And they look straight at him and they restore his dignity. And obviously they heal this man and that there's this man that's been crippled and now he can walk. But I would argue that the greatest and most powerful thing that they did in that moment is look at him and they were what they restored in seeing him as a person of integrity. And so we as Christ followers have that opportunity every single day. Every single day we have the opportunity to see people as people. And it might be a dramatic in a story like this where we're going past a homeless person or someone um, you know, on the street or whatever, but it may be just someone that we work with, 
or someone we live with or someone that lives down the street for us to make a choice to say, I'm going to choose to see that person as God sees them, to see that person as Jesus sees them, to see the value in them, to see that they are beautifully and wonderfully made, to see that they have purpose, they have value, and their value isn't what they bring to this earth. Their value is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you, church, to understand that that's the ministry that we get to walk in. That's a ministry that we are, are that we inherit from Christ. You know, if you come to the vessel on Sunday mornings, you will see a sign as you're walking in at the YMCA that says, you belong here. And it's a nice little cutesy welcome sign that communicates to people that we're, we welcome anyone. But I want you to know that there's a deeper meaning there, that that motto of you belong here goes much deeper than just welcoming someone into our church. It means that no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, no matter the sin that you've walked in, no matter the life that you've lived, no matter the brokenness that you've experienced, no matter what you vote, how you think, what you feel, that we choose to see you as a person and that you have a place of belonging. And I think that that's really powerful. And it's more than just a motto. And we see this greatest, we see this example greatest in scripture um, when we see Jesus and uh, juxtaposed to the Pharisees. And there's all these instances in scripture where we see how Jesus responds to a person versus how the Pharisees responded to a person. And the gap could not be more significant. I'll give you a few examples. If you remember when we, when we, did our last series, we, we talked about Zacchaeus um, and um, the story of Zacchaeus and Luke. And so when, when the Pharisees see Jesus interacting with Zacchaeus, when they see Jesus speaking and looking at him, the Pharisees say this, it says this, it says that the people muttered. And I love that word of muttering. It's you know kind of under your breath. It's normally pretty negative. And it says the people muttered. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And it shows you right then and there how they see Zacchaeus. They see him as a sinner. They see him as no good. They see him as the lowest uh, part of society and culture. He's a tax collector and no one likes him. And that's how he's defined. That's how the people have defined him. That's who he is. That's his identity according to them, is that that's how they see him. And then in contrast, you see Jesus. And it says, scripture says that as he's walking, along and we all know Zacchaeus is this wee little man that climbs up to this tree to get a better view of Jesus and as Jesus is walking along it says he reaches the spot and he looks up at him that he looks at him the same as Peter and John did to this man it says he looked right at Zacchaeus he says come down right now I'm gonna stay at your house today and he goes to his home and he spends time to him and it shows you exactly how Jesus feels about Zacchaeus he doesn't see him for his sins. He doesn't see him for his short stature. He doesn't see him uh, for his popularity or his reputation. Jesus sees Zacchaeus for how he's created, beautiful, wonderful, made in God's own image. And another example is <clears throat> in Luke chapter 7, there's a Pharisees, the Pharisees invite Jesus into their home to have a meal. And, and so you can say what you want about the Pharisees and Jesus, but Jesus would even go and be with the Pharisees. As much as he would Zacchaeus, he would go and be with the Pharisees as well. So he goes in this house of this Pharisee and there's this woman that's there. 
and she's a, a they, scripture calls her a sinful woman, and scripture calls her a prostitute, and she falls to the feet of Jesus, and she weeps on his feet, and she uses her hair to cleanse his feet, and she pours out perfume on his feet. And as the Pharisees are watching this unfold, as the Pharisees are watching this happen, look what they say and look how they respond to this woman at the feet of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 7 verse 39 says, When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman that she is, that she is a sinner. And again, just like Zacchaeus you see immediately what he thinks about this woman, he, that she's someone who's a sinner, that she's someone that's not even worthy to be touched, that even physical contact, it says here, he says, if he would, have, if he would even know who is touching him, and, and like that she is not even a human being that's worthy of a touch. And then look at how Jesus responds, because Jesus knows and he hears the grumbling. And Jesus says this, Verse 44, then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, that's the Pharisee, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured out perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And man, that is powerful. Is that you see in contrast, Jesus sees when he didn't see her for her sins. He didn't see her for the prostitute that she is. He didn't see her that she's filthy and she's dirty and she's off the street. He, what he sees in her, as, he, as, as the word says, he sees her great love. And what great love she is showing him. And I want you to know, church, that is powerful. That we get to walk in that. That we have the opportunity and the ability to see people as people. And I, I wonder, I, this is a, a caveat and a sidebar. But scripture says that this man that's sitting at the temple gate called Beautiful, that he was well known. Scripture says that he was, he's been sitting there for 40 years. That every day he goes to beg for that money right at the gate as you walk into the temple. And we know from Jesus that Jesus walked into that temple many times. So how many times did Jesus walk by that man without healing him? How many times did Jesus see that man begging and not do anything? That there were plenty of opportunities to Jesus, for Jesus to perform that miracle, but he didn't. Because timing matters. And that here it is, and now as the disciples are going by, this wasn't of their own uh, volition. They didn't decide. Peter and John didn't say, hey, we're going to go heal this man or going to go out and perform miracles, signs, and wonders. They were going to the temple to pray. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit moved in them that the ministry of Jesus Christ continued in that very moment for this man. So our next thing is not only is a continued ministry um, not only is it first and foremost in the name of Jesus Christ, secondly, sees people as people, but a continued ministry is public. Third thing is, it that, is that a continued ministry is public. Verse 9 says this. It says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, that's the man who's been healed, 
They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And so here we see is this man and the salvation and the healing of this man is not just for him, but it's for all the people to see. And I know that this point about it being a public ministry is a bit, if not significantly contradictory to our, our first point. Our first point, we talked about the ministry of Jesus Christ and not about man. And now we see this idea of the ministry of the church being public. And I want you to know that it is tricky and it's important that that is a fine line to walk. At what point does our ministry, the ministry of the vessel, the ministry in your life, at what point does the publicity of that begin to take away from the Jesus Christ and begin to bring attention to you or the name of your church or whatever it is? But it's worth, it's worth looking into and it's worth spending time to get right because it matters. And we're going to see here again and again as you read through Acts is that the ministry of the church is very public. Um, and so... One of the ways that you can tell is in kind of a test and a way to test about that is to ask yourself the question, who gets the glory? In any situation, in any circumstance, whether it's a serving opportunity or a miracle that's happening or something that the church is doing or a person or a pastor, is to ask your question, who gets the glory in that moment? Who gets the glory? And so we can take this story, for example, as we've got multiple parties. We've got the disciples and the apostles, Peter and John, who are going in. We've got the man who's being healed. We have the onlookers. Scripture says that there's thousands of people that see and hear this. Is that Peter and John begin preaching salvation in Jesus Christ because people see this miracle that's done very public. And then the fourth group of people are the Sadducees, the people that bring um, uh, that, that begin to accuse John and Peter and bring them before and lock them up. And so let's just go and look person by person at who gets the glory. First and foremost, the disciples. Clearly, that's easy. Glory for them is given to God. Uh, verse six, as we read in our first point, in the name of Jesus. Christ of Nazareth walk. And so first and foremost, uh, the disciples, they give glory to God. Secondly, the man. The man also gives glory to God. Verse 9 says that when all the people saw him walking and praising God, he was walking, he was jumping, and he wasn't praising Peter and John. And, and the scripture says he was hanging, kind of hanging on their necks, going into the temple, but he wasn't, man, look at these guys. Thank you for these guys for healing me. It says that he was praising God, is that he gives God the glory. The third are the onlookers. Uh, scripture tells us that Peter and John, immediately after this miracle, people begin to gather and see and wonder, and they, they're amazed by what the, these apostles have done and what Jesus has done through the apostles. And it says that they begin to preach. And Scripture in Acts chapter 4 says that 5,000 people came to believe in Christ that day. Acts 4.4 4 says, but many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And so we see these, these people that come to faith in Jesus Christ, obviously giving glory to God and not man. And then the fourth of the Sadducees. And we're going to see here for Scripture, and I'm going to read some more out of Acts 4, and we're going to talk more about Acts 4 next week. But you're going to see from the Sadducees, their care about glory, their only concern is that the glory that's being taken away from them. That's their only concern is that glory in this moment is being taken away from them. Honestly, they don't care if it's going to Peter or John or Jesus or God or whoever. Their main focus is that the glory is being taken away from them. Um, and in Acts 4 verse 8, they bring... 
Peter and John before them and say, by what authority and in whose name do you do these miracles? Like who give, what gives you the right? What authority allows you to do this? And, and Peter in verse eight says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit responded to them. This is how he responds. Again, we get to see Peter's heart. Rulers and elders of the people, if we were being called to account today for the act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, again, public, you and all the people of Israel know this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the name of Christ, our first point, ministry in the name of Jesus Christ. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. <clears throat> if you wondered at all where Peter stood about the ministry that was being done and, and by whose authority it was, he answers that question right there. But look how the Sadducees respond. They don't consider what he's saying. They don't have soft hearts. They're not opening. They're not asking the question to understand. They're asking the question so they can stop the taking of their own glory. And this is how they respond. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again, Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> and you see the glory there is on man and not God. And the truth here is that the ministry of Jesus Christ always brings glory to God, never to man. And our last point as we close is that a continued ministry offers the kingdom. Continued ministry offers the kingdom. As you remember from our stories, Peter and John are going in the temple gates. The man that's begging is asking for what? He's asking, as King James Version says it, alms for the poor, right? He's got a, a can, you can picture it. He's rattling a few coins that can. He is asking for money, for silver and gold. And that matters, right? That, that this man needs money to be able to provide for himself, to feed himself, uh, to sustain himself. Potentially, he's helping support a family. And those are all important things. But what he's asking for is temporal. What he's asking for is temporary and not eternal. And, the, the, and, and his goal, this man's goal, is to make his present condition more comfortable. By receiving money, by receiving alms, by receiving gifts, it, it sustains him a few more days, a few more weeks, a few more months, a few more years, so that he can continue to live on this side of eternity. And so his present condition can become more comfortable. But the apostles offer the kingdom. The apostles offer not something temporal, but something eternal. They offer life change. They say, silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. You see, their goal, the goal of the disciples is not to change his present condition. The goal of the disciples is to change his eternal condition. They don't want to change his circumstances in a moment. They want to change his circumstances forever. They want him to have life change. And him being healed and being able to walk is one thing, but the salvation that he has in Jesus Christ is everything. 
that they want him to go from dead to alive, from someone who's dead in their transgressions, dead in their sins, to is alive in the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the truth is this, and, and this is going to be harsh, but I believe that it is true in a lot of ways. And I think for us at the vessel, it's important that we investigate and think hard about our own selves and what we do. The truth is, is that the church is often quick to offer the temporal and slow to offer the eternal. It's that the church is quick to offer the temporal and slow to offer the eternal. And I want you to know, church, there's nothing wrong with, with offering things that are temporary to meet people's physical needs. We are called to do that. Matthew 25, Jesus challenges us to clothe and feed and love and visit those who are, those who are uh, naked, those who are thirsty, those who are hungry, those who are in prison, and that we are called without a doubt, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But if we stop there, if we stop at the physical and at the temporal, then it's incomplete if we don't offer the eternal. And I guarantee you, if, 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 we, if we said, hey, we need 25 people to sign up to go and, and hand out food to people's door this next week, that we would fill that list quickly. But I wonder, if we said we need 25 people to sign up to go home to home and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with strangers, I think we would get crickets. And, and, and maybe that's not fair. And I don't mean us. I'm not, I'm not knocking on the vessel. I'm, I'm, I'm being introspective about us and our body and, and doing a gut check to say, are we willing to offer the eternal as, as well as the temporal? You know, when Jesus, when he fed the multitudes, he met their physical need. He literally had them sit and fed their bellies. They were hungry. There was nowhere to eat. There was no food there. That He did a miracle to meet their physical condition, but he did not stop there. And John 6, 35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, Jesus offered them the kingdom, not just a piece of fish and a loaf of bread. When Jesus called the disciples, he, fill, he does the miracle. He fills their nets full of fish. And Shay and I have watched The, uh, the Chosen. And it's a really cool scene there uh, where they show this, this. And there Peter begins to follow. Simon Peter begins to follow Jesus. But he meets their physical need. He literally fills their nets with fish. But then he doesn't stop there. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You see, Jesus met the physical need, he, but he also offered the kingdom. And I want you to know, church, as we close this morning, that that is what we're called to do. We are called to walk in the ministry of Jesus Christ by the power of his name and the power of his blood and that we, we can't step left, right, or outside of that, that we've always got to be doing the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we've got to be offering the kingdom to people. And I want to challenge you as we close. We're going to close with this song, the anthem. And it is really about, it is like singing this anthem about who we are in Christ. And by his stripes, we are healed. And the price that has been paid for our lives. And I want you to as you worship him, to thank the Lord that we've been called to continue a ministry that's, that we don't have to create something that's been established by Jesus Christ and that we are called to walk into that, to be vessels of the living Christ, 
we, that we've been given his Holy Spirit so that each and every day we can walk in the ministry of Jesus and we can offer the kingdom. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for Peter and John, God, for the birth of your church, for the ministry that you gave to us, Jesus, for the legacy that you handed down. I thank you that there's grace and forgiveness in that and that, Jesus, even when we don't get it right, even when we fail, even when we stop short with and only offer the temporal but don't offer the kingdom, God, that there's grace and forgiveness in that. And God, it is not by our own will or our own trying that we do that, but it's because of the salvation that we have in you. God, I pray for the vessel. I pray that we are a church that continues in the ministry that you left here. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.